This is the MIBTOnline.com podcast featuring recordings from our weekly and monthly live streaming meetings. To see the videos discussed in the podcast and be part of the discussion, please consider joining our association at MIBTOnline.com. Now, here's the show. Well, hello, everyone. They kind of jumped there. Tim Kiefer, MIBTOnline.com. Hey, we're uh, with you tonight, and we're, we're rolling. As you can see, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the control room running things tonight. And so, uh, you know, we've got everybody, we've got the, you know, Alex is, uh, is giving the night off, you know, cut, budget cutback. So don't worry, Alex will be, uh, be back with us next week. So that'll be good. But we've got, we got Robert here, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll show Robert there. Robert's going to be running the show here in just a couple minutes after we go through, after we go through a couple announcements. So uh, don't worry, we're all, we're all good tonight. Um, Mike Bilka is going to be monitoring the chat. The text is still available. We'll get to that here in a moment. Once again, like I said, I am Tim Kiefer. Thanks for joining us here at MIBTOnline.com. So like I said, we got a great, great uh, show as usual tonight. I sound like Donald Trump. I don't want to do that. But uh, it's uh, lots of fun stuff going on. So let's go to our, our PowerPoint here like we kind of always do. We, we start things off with our PowerPoint. And so... Our, our meeting, we're going to go through our announcements. We'll go through the play of the week. We will uh, have Robert Ybarra run the show and then uh, the play of the week for this week and then the calling question line and hopefully we'll get some people to call, call in tonight. So that would be a lot of fun. So once again, here is uh, our quick announcements. Just so you know, this is what we're doing. Uh, don't forget about our podcast, our Facebook page, MIBTOnline.com. We've got likes, so continue to like that. I mean, I would like more people to do this, so help help us out with that. You know, I want I want people to like it, like it, like it, like it. So share this with your friends in Facebook and any of your any of your uh, uh, officiating friends. Obviously, we're also uh, we also got the Twitter, which that's where we do our, our stuff or for our, our our polls. YouTube channel apparel. Our apparel's up and running, but apparently you got to enter in this code. So. When you go to that page, you click apparel, you enter in this code, it should take you to our team shop. Um, if you kind of keep it there for a second, you want to write it down or just kind of rewind this later in the archive and grab that code. Um, hopefully, we'll get it worked out where you don't need the code. But right now, if you want to buy some stuff, that's what you need to do. So uh, continuing on on our, our, our announcements, we're going to go... We're going to go to our play of the week for this week and kind of go through those results. But I'll bring in the panel after we run through the play because I want, I want to show the play. We'll go wide on this play again. So here's the play. And if you remember, it was this kicking, potential kicking play. Uh, illegal kick, illegal kicking. We'll get to that in a moment. Here it is. It's definitely illegal. It's flagged. And so great on the officials. And now what's going to happen? So ultimately, here was our, here was the, results. On this illegal kick, which choice is not available to the defensive team? Well, safety was 11%, touchdown 4%, and force on the, on the uh, try or kickoff 50% as not an option. Defensive team has all three options available, 35%. So looking at this right from the rule, okay, so this is right out of the rule book, you can see that in 8-2 uh, and 3, if an opponent of the scoring team commits a foul other than UNS during a down in which a touchdown is scored and there was not 
a change in possession, then the penalty can be enforced on the try or kickoff. If the foul occurs after the change of possession, so once the ball has changed hands, then the scoring team can choose to enforce on the try or the kickoff. And so that's really the rule. So ultimately, choice three, they, they do not have the option because we did not, there was a change of possession. They do not have the option of taking this on the kickoff or the try. They can either take the touchdown, which most likely they will, or they can accept the penalty and do a safety. And there might be a circumstance where that might happen. So uh, not all three options are not available. So that was the correct answer. 50% of the people got it right. And that's right out of the, right out of the book. Now, this is, the next thing is, this is for Bill. Bill Lamagna asked this. And he said, well, what about illegal kicking or illegal kick? Well, in high school, right out of the, right out of the book, the kicking team may not punt, or the kicking team may not punt, drop kick, or place kick from beyond the neutral zone, 6-2-1. And this is an illegal kick, an illegal kick. So there you go. Now, 9-7-1, no player shall intentionally kick the ball other than as a free kick or a scrimmage kick. If you want the definition of free kick, scrimmage kick, go ahead and look those up in the definition. But just to keep things simple, that's what that rule is, and this is illegal kicking. To his point, he said, well, what's, is it illegal kick? Illegal kicking. Yep, it's, he was right. This is illegal kicking, so on that play, it would have been technically illegal kicking. However, the penalty enforcement is the exact same. It's a 10-yard penalty, basic spot enforcement, signal 31. So whether it's an illegal kick or an illegal kicking in high school football, this is the same enforcement. So um, just, just know that and be ready to go with, with if you're going to enforce a basic spot. The most important thing to remember, this is not a loss of down, not a loss of down foul. And it's not a, an illegal kick is a basic spot enforcement. It does not fall into the three plays which are loss of down in high school. Very important that you remember that because I think sometimes people get confused with that. So um, we're going to head on to uh, our um, presentation now. I'm going to throw things over there to, to Robert, and Robert is, uh, is with us, and you know, there's Stan up there, and Robert's going to run around, run around the panel here real quick, quick. Hey, Robert, how are you? I'm doing great, and I'm just going to welcome the panelists first, and then we'll get into the presentation. We have Mr. Stan Baum from Alabama. Welcome, Stan. Hey, Robert. Good to see everybody. Um, so far, we have survived the uh, hurricane up in this part of the central part of the state, but well, our, our, our neighbors down south sure are suffering. So um, uh, hopefully they'll you know, get on out of here and people can um, overcome it. Our thoughts and prayers are seriously with you in your state of Alabama. Thank you for being with us tonight, Stan. Do we have Mike Billica from Connecticut joining us tonight? Whoa. Hi, yeah. Mike. Hey, it's great to be here. And uh, I'll be watching the chat, so send your questions over and I'll uh, let the panel know. Thank you very much, Mike, for handling the chat room for us tonight. And of course, we have Bill Lamagne, the Bill who stretches our depth in, in understanding rules from uh, uh, collegiately and uh, beyond. Bill, join us tonight. Bring, share your expertise like you do with ESPN. Hey, good to be here. Uh, good to get a couple under our belt uh, in that. Uh, see what happens with the new announcement that the Big Ten is going to join the ranks and get things going maybe the end of uh, October. So um, the climate continues to change. So see what goes on. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, for tonight's presentation, if we go to 
my, my PowerPoint slide here, you're going to see here I have high school, college, and NFL menu of plays. And I'm going to leverage off Tim's play of the week with uh, the scrimmage kick play to start us off as an appetizer in high school. And I'm going to show a state final play just to continue that high school type of mentality thinking. But then we're going to progress into the collegiate level uh, contest that happened over the weekend. And we're going to bring in Bill and hear his expertise and comment on that. And then the NFL play, if you guys watch any NFL games on, on Sunday or Monday, I'm sure you found a couple of interesting ones, one that made national news. And I would just like us to talk about it because I'm sure we all can learn from it. And we all may have a comment or uh, an opinion of, of ourselves. So with that being said, let's dive into it. I have four plays to show going from high school to NFL. We're going to start with high school and the kicking game. So this uh, first high school game is from a state final uh, that happened here in Illinois. And I'm going to run the play. And then after the play, I'll run a replay of it and we'll discuss it. So here we go. We're going to go wide on it, Tim. And we're going to show you the scrimmage kick play. He runs with the football. Everybody's playing at everybody for some sort of encroachment or illegal procedure. Nobody's buying it. And that was a flat-out miss on the kick. Wow. Don't see this very often. This was a swing and a miss. The ball, he dropped the ball to himself. Almost like a drop kick. It wasn't intended to be that way. Officials got to get together and sort this one out correctly. All right, let's just let's just stop right there. And uh, you know, we get a play like that during our contest. We do have to sort it out. So, what <laughs> thoughts are going through your mind? Let's start with Tim, who's right next to me. Tim, when you see the scrimmage kick play and and uh, it looks funky, uh, what are you going to discuss when you huddle up with your crewmates? Well, and there's the chat. So, or there's the text. So we're trying to take an eye on that. Well, I'm gonna. I'm going to wonder, is this a drop kick? And even if it wasn't meant to be a drop kick, that's the first thing I'm thinking is that, is this a drop kick? Because he dropped it and kicked it. Now, that's supposed to be intentional. It's, a, it's an intentional, and it's by definition what it is. But sometimes if we can get away with it, fine. Otherwise, we're, that's my first question. If I was a wing, if I was not the referee, I would ask, was that a drop kick? And if it was, well, I don't know, or it was not, then we're going to go, okay, well, now we have an illegal kicking of the ball, as we just discussed earlier, and it does have specifics. But, I mean, looking at the, looking at the replay, and we can, we can go back to it because I see Robert showing it. We'll go back to it. If you look at this replay, I mean, you could, this, I mean, I don't know if he meant to do it, but he drops the, he drops the ball, and I know it jumped there. Here we go. Watch. He drops it. That. That's, it looks like a drop kick. So if I can get away with it, I'm probably, uh, I'm probably going get, to get away with that one. Right. And uh, let's bring in Mike Billica. Mike, if, when you see a play like this, or Bill, let's stay with Bill. When you see a play like this and you're going to bring in your crewmates because you're going to have to sort this out, what are the questions you're going to start asking your fellow crewmates, Bill? Well, if, if, if I'm the referee on this play, I better be the one answering the questions because I should know what's happened here. This is my call. It's my kicker. Who else is there to, to, to make this decision? So th this is on the shoulders of the referee here. You know, now there's on this type of particular play, looks like by the way it, it ended up, I'm not sure they, it matters who recovered the ball. I'm not sure it matters 
uh, about penalty enforcement because isn't Team B going to get the ball at the end of this play? Uh, if they have, you know, if the ball crossed, if, if he nicked it and it went across the line of scrimmage, then you have touching by K uh, and B gets the ball there, you know. Um, Bill, you are an so- expert. You're an expert and wise beyond your years. And, and I say that because you've segued right into this play. And uh, thank you for joining us, viewers, so we can dissect this play. I'm going to show you the outcome. And unfortunately, B did not retain possession of the ball. They awarded it back to the kicking team, A. And let's find out why. So, Tim, if we go wide, we're going to watch this play again, and uh, we're going to see what happens. Okay, so here we go. Don't see this very often. This was a swing and a miss. The ball, he dropped the ball to himself. Almost like a drop kick. It wasn't intended to be that way. Officials got to get together and sort this one out correctly. It will be Lincoln Way East football. Evidently a touch there by Warren in the middle of that play. Wow. So Lincoln Way East is the kicking team. Well, let's watch another field version. Um, Warren Township was so upset on the outcome of this play, uh, the, the receiving team was upset of the outcome of this play because they thought that they should have been awarded the ball. Uh, so we're going to watch this from a field version. It's granular because it came from the team. But let's, let's play it and then we'll talk about it a little bit further. So this is just the ground view of the play and you're gonna see like Tim mentioned, it is in fact a drop kick, poorly executed. It's difficult to determine who touches the ball first, right? So we're going to dive into the rule a bit here. And ultimately, they awarded it to the kicking team. So let's go to the rule. Um, the rule here, and, and, and before I cite it, I, I want to state, if we go back to the play, the, it was fourth down, four yards to go, and the ball was kicked from the 30. And if, if, if we actually go to the original play here, um, You'll, you'll, you'll see that, and, I'll, and then I'll go back. But he runs with the football. See, we, we are clearly at the 30-yard line. We have a big line to work with here. And uh, it's fourth down and four, so we got to get to the 34. Now, be mindful. Uh, Mike, what would be the expanded neutral zone uh, for any play, in this particular play, what, what, would, it, what would the uh, kicking team be awarded as the expanded neutral zone? You get two we, yards. You get two yards, right? So would we be able to go to the 32, Mike? As far as being able to block downfield or I guess that's what I'm asking. Okay. Or as far as being able to recover. Right. So let's get, let's get to the rule on that. Okay. So mm-hmm. we're, we're fourth and four on the 30 yard line viewers. And uh, it's important to bring out the rule book because it's going to help us determine how we're going to officiate this play. And we're going to reference rule 626 in the national federation rule book. The touching of a low scrimmage kick by any player is ignored if the touching is in or behind the expanded neutral zone. So unless we have the best eyes in the game, as Bill Lemagne often quotes and says, uh, we're going to say this is in the expanded neutral zone, will we not? And with that being said, in this particular play, it is a drop kick play. Um, the kicked ball is touched by a player. We don't know exactly which player but we know it's about the 32-yard line. That's, that's where it's touched. So with that being said, wouldn't we consider that in the expanded neutral zone? So to Bill's point, he's wise beyond his years. 
does it really matter? Because again, from the 30 to 32 there, it was touched, but does it matter who, was who touched it? No, it's gonna be ignored. So if, if K player first touches beyond the neutral zone, then R gets the option of taking it first touching or the result of the play, right? That's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. That's beyond the expanded neutral zone. Right. That may have happened if we really dissect it, but it didn't. It, 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 it didn't occur that way. It was touched in the neutral zone. If R touches beyond the expanded neutral zone, which didn't happen, but if they did, then they, and they you know, muff it, and then it, K recovers the ball, the muff ball, then K would be rewarded. So you could, you could argue, okay, if the ball was clearly touched beyond the neutral zone by R, by, by a receiving player, and then the ball was recovered by the kicking team, then yeah, bona fide, clearly you would, you would award then a new series for K. But in this particular play example, that didn't happen. Stan, um, you saw the play. Do you have any comments or uh, you know, questions related to that? Well, considering I've never actually seen a drop kick, that was quite interesting. Um, but I'm exactly, I would go exactly what you'd said. I would, I would get with my line and maybe my uh, umpire uh, to find out, did, was there some touching and where did it occur and by whom? And then uh, secondly, I hoped it happened towards the linesman side because in Alabama on five-man mechanics, our line judge is already released to go downfield. So um, we're we're shy and uh, we're shy an official there. Uh, luckily, in seven-man, we would have some coverage. So, but you're right. I would want to know who saw what and when and where. Tim, going back to you, um, do we have any comments from the chat room at all on this play? Um, well, I guess I'm not watching the chat. We got Mike watching okay. the chat tonight, so maybe maybe we need to have oh. maybe we need to ask Mike if Mike's got any. Uh, Mike, you got anything? Yeah. So the, the we're, we're echoing a lot of what um, we're teaching right now, which is whether where, what's the position of the ball when it was touched. Um, did the ball cross the expanded neutral zone? And um, our viewers are saying that it did not at any point cross the neutral zone. So why doesn't we're asking why don't we give the ball to the kicking team? That's the major question. Great. Hey, Tim, if we go wide on the – thank you, Mike. If we go sure. wide on I'm the sorry, play – I'm sorry, the receiving I'll, I'll, team. I apologize. Why don't we give the ball to the receiving team? Yeah. I'm going to go <laughs> wide on this play, and we're, I'm going to try to freeze it a little bit on where this ball is actually touched. If you see right there, that's basically where it's touched. And you can say that's at the 32-ish yard mark, would you not? And Bill, let's bring you back in. If it's that tight, um, how would you handle it as a referee? Because you said ultimately that's your call, that's your responsibility. So how are you going to handle this one? Well, first of all, you know, who's created a problem here? The kicking team with uh, the, the drop kick that apparently didn't get called. But uh, if we're talking about the expanded neutral zone, we're not going to nitpick it. So um, they kicked the ball. They gave it up. Uh, if they want to legally recover it, then it had to be that uh, obviously B touched the ball and K recovered. But that's not the case here. If any if anybody touched it first, it was the kicking team. So um, there, I, I'm just uh, I guess I guess not a, not enough thought process, rule knowledge, uh, communication uh, possibly took place on this play uh, to give the ball back to the kicking team. So that that ended up. Possession of the football is pretty important, and 
this is one that B should have the ball. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you, Bill, for some uh, summarizing what we want as a best practice. In summary, Bill stating here, the kicking team didn't uh, gain the line to gain in, in four downs, so they they made a decision to kick on the fourth down. So they're they're agreeing, okay, we're going to relinquish possession of the ball. Don't let them be the benefactor of a tight, tight uh, situation like this. I think that's our takeaway from that. And Bill, thank you for, for making that very clear for us to, to learn from tonight. Sticking with, the, um, sticking with this uh, high school type level, I'm gonna show you another high school play from this 8A state final. 8A in Illinois is the largest class uh, based on enrollment of schools. And uh, here's a play where we can all learn from a horse collar type uh, penalty enforcement, or even if it isn't even a penalty altogether. Uh, Stan, watch really close. I'm going to go to you first on this one. But here we have a situation where we have a scrimmage down, we have a run, and uh, we're going to have a, a, a foul for horse collar. And I want you to comment on what you think about this particular play. Here we go. One time tonight, he will take another shot sometime soon. Jamal Johnson will get to the outside. Johnson sheds one tackler. Stiff arms another. Johnson down to the 30-yard line. But it's going to go the other way. The ball came free. And here's Warren. A big play each way. Now if there's a personal foul call on Warren. Where did that go? Well, the flag is sitting at about the 47-yard line. So the possession wow. should stand, but the return will not. Wow. All right. So here we have a situation. We have a running play uh, stand, and you didn't have a good look on that. The, the <clears throat> camera is kind of fuzzy because it was rain, a rainy night, wind blowing. It looks like you're in a haze, like uh, uh, with poor visibility. But... Did you see any of that, or am I going to have to show a replay for you to get a better take on what, what was called there? <laughs> well, um, I, what I could get from the video, it, it definitely looked as if he grabbed him either in the uh, inside the, the shoulder pad or there at the, the nameplate area. I was trying to see where the uh, ball carrier actually landed. Did he land forward on his uh, on his uh torso or did he land sideways or on his back because that's the other thing that we want to look at from a horse collar call is you know either the knees buckling and and then by rule it's got to be pulled down sideways or the back and then when the ball squirted out that's I, I sort of the camera shifted so definitely i could see a suspect uh, horse collar there from my view excellent Stan, that, that for one take, you did an excellent job recapping that play. I'm going to show a replay, and then I'm going to go to Mike and to Tim and to Bill for their comments. But when we show the replay, it's going to be more clarity because it's going to be an end zone shot, and there's not as much rain covering up the lens. It'll bring more clarity on what actually happened. And then we can discuss how it was ruled, okay? So here we go on the replay of this horse collar situation. Here we go. Almost scoring. They did almost score. There's the big play, the stiff arm. And watch the helmet go to the football. Right there, the arm gets it through. Ball's on the turf. Thinking scoop and score, looking for more in the open field. Nothing but grass in front of him for Devaya. 
And he looked like he was going to house call it. But... Let's take a look and grabbing right there is at the horse collar call that will go against Davila. Couldn't get it home. All right. So there, <laughs> there you saw it. Now let's uh, let's let's go first to Mike since he's in Connecticut and monitoring the chat. Mike, do you have any comments on this? Uh, whether one, is it a foul? And uh, two, how would you enforce it if, if you do deem it to be? All right, well, we had some great participation in the chat and they, we all agree that um, the foul is enforced um, from the, uh, fr from the uh, end of the run, um, from the team A's run. So A would keep the ball and get to tack on 15 at the spot where they fumbled it. Um, but uh, as far as the quality of the foul, I don't see any knee buckle here. Um, the rule says you actually have to bring that player to the ground. So you have to tackle the player using the inside collar or the name panel now, the nameplate. And uh, that's just a glancing tug. It's not, it doesn't even affect them. I, I don't see a foul here. Thank you, Bill, for sharing. And uh, let's- That was Mike. Oh, excuse me, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Um, let's go to Tim. Tim, would you echo those comments? <laughs> yeah, it's, the, the rule is pretty clear. And, I, and it's funny because Bill and I have had a discussion about this before about the safety aspect of that foul, that if there's a knee buckle, regardless of whether the player goes down to the ground or not, is the safety of the player still impacted? We can argue that until we're, you know, the cows come home, as they say, but right now that's not the rule. The rule is, he's got, in high school, he's got to go to the ground. So by high school rule, that is not a horse collar tackle. It may appear to, have, to begin to be a horse collar where the contact occurs and the knee buckles a little bit, but as of today, on September uh, 16th in 2000, 2020, the crazy year that it's been, that is not a fall in, in high school football. Thank you, Tim, for, thank you, Tim, for sharing your comments on that. Let's, let's go to Bill. Now, Bill, um, this is a high school game, and it was officially, like Tim said, at the high school viewpoint. Would you have a different take uh, based on your experience at the collegiate level? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's advocate. Um, you know, it, the grab and the way that the shirt stretched probably got the attention of the official more than picking up whether or not knees buckled. And obviously the player did not go down from it. But I guess the thing that, that, that just I question over it is, well, if, it, if I have to pull the player down to get the foul, then basically you're saying that we got a dead ball because he's going to the ground. Uh, he, you know, but... Or could I be devil's advocate and say, well, he lost the ball before he had a chance to go to the ground, so he's no—he's not a runner anymore. You know, he doesn't have the ball. So you know, in one breath, I think high school needs—you know—and again, it's not the rule, but I, I'd like to see high school go back and readdress this one a bit um, because I, I don't think the requirement should be there for the player to go to the ground to prove it. Uh, if we've got a buckle, we've got. We've, we've got endangerment right there. So, um, you know, again, the official probably keyed more on the fact that that jersey stretched out in the open. It looked big time um, and reacted to it that way. Thank you, Bill, for sharing. Now, I don't want to take anything for granted uh, as far as all officials, viewers, understand penalty enforcement. I'm going to show you this play again, and I'm going to show you what actually got enforced 
to remind ourselves this is not the best practice. Mike said it right. Mike said it right in Connecticut where we would, if, if we had a flag, we would penalize uh, the live ball foul from the end of the run, and uh, th that'll be a 15-yard tack on uh, from that basic spot of where the flag was thrown or where the spot of the foul occurred. But um, in high school, we don't deem that to be a foul. Uh, at our, at our definition, because we did not bring the runner down uh, to the ground, and uh, thereby that eliminates that. But to Bill's point, Bill said for, you know, he doesn't like the high school rule that we officiate at at the collegiate level. You know, he has a little bit more depth perception on, on his viewpoints. But in, if we come back to the high school penalty enforcement, I want to make sure we all understand what Mike said in Connecticut is how we do enforcement, enforce it. What I'm going to show you is what was enforced at a championship level that cannot happen on your watch. So here we go. If we go wide back here, uh, Tim, we're going to show this play again, and we'll kind of run it through to show uh, how the, the succeeding spot was uh, uh, enforced. So here we have the outcome of the play. We have a replay. We all are in an agreement since it's not defined as a horse collar tackle because he did not tackle him down to the ground. The um, offense, unfortunately, does not even maintain possession here in a state final game. They actually somehow awarded the ball to the defense and then gave, it, gave them the spot 15 yards from where their foul had occurred. So that's the succeeding spot right there. That's not how you enforce this foul. It's not. So... If we do have a horse collar tackle penalty, uh, we will be tacking that on at the end of the run if we have a loss of possession. We'll move on. Do we have any other comments from the chat room there, Mike, if, uh, since you're monitoring yes. it? Um, yeah, there was one big important point that the distinction here is clean hands or dirty hands. So the question is, is this a clean hands foul or a dirty hands foul? If it's a clean hands foul, then they enforced it correctly. If, if it's a clean hands foul, okay, so you're saying, but in this particular case, the mm -hmm. defense is, was penalized for a horse collar tackle, right? So that's not mm -hmm. clean hands then, right, Mike? Right, exactly. So that, I think that's, that must be where the error has to begin, the confusion over that issue. All right, so just to cite the rule, bring clarity, we're going to rule 943K. And this is the horse collar tackle. And to how to summarize what everyone had said, we have to bring that uh, that uh, opponent down to the ground in order for it to be enforced as a live ball foul. So there's your rule reference nine four three. Let's move on to a play that happened on a Saturday. Uh, this past Saturday, I was watching a collegiate game uh, between Louisiana and Iowa State. It was an exciting ball game, captivated my attention. But there was a play towards the end of the half that uh, really made me go back and revisit it and I'm going to show it to you I don't know if anyone else has seen it it's related to an intentional grounding uh, foul and it's kind of relevant to today's high school game because intentional grounding we talked about um, it, it extending now beyond just a hand-to-hand -to, -hand to a player who's directly behind the snapper now this particular particular play is an intentional grounding uh, situation with a hand-to-hand -hand exchange but it's going to allow us to at least dive into it a little bit more tonight and uh, bring more clarity to the rules. So with that being said, I'm gonna run the play and Tim, we're gonna go wide. 
so everyone can see it. This is a pretty good video. It's a collegiate game from Saturday, and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. So what you see there is essentially you have a clock running down. They still have a timeout, but uh, they awarded a first down, and they're going to decide to kill the clock. Okay, so we have an intentional grounding play that was called by the referee, and, uh, and I'm going to bring in Bill after I show this replay so we can really dive into this discussion a little bit. The replay will give you a little closer look on what actually happened. So here's the replay of what this uh, occurred, what had occurred. There's a little bit of a confusion. It's obviously very sloppy. And the crew's discussing this. And it ultimately goes to replay review. So if Bill, if you were on this game, uh, they would have gone to you <laughs> to, to comment on this situation. And, uh, and, I, and I, I want you to kind of discuss a little bit about when is the ball truly ready for play? Because if, if you could see an official's trying to back out of the way, um, and how does that play into this uh, situation? And then of course, this, the snap exchange and how that was kind of muffed and then uh, thrown to the ground after the muff. Bill, take it away. All right. Well, the first thing is, is that there should not have been, they should not have allowed the snap to go just based on the, forget about the fact that I think that the uh, watching it, the quarterback muffed the snap. Uh, I don't think he had a chance to get it cleanly in his hands and even push it to the ground. Uh, but they should, the snap shouldn't have gone. And in college football, if the center judge can't get out of the way, and Maverick, we say if he can't get out, because I don't know if he's going to if he's going to spike the ball or he's going to try for one last play with three seconds to go. Um, so I want that center judge to clear the deepest back, and if he doesn't clear the deepest back, we need to shut it down. Period. Just shut it down. Now we have a provision that allows that the first time that that happens, we warn the team. Okay. And we respot the ball, and basically it's like a do-over. There's no penalty involved in it. So, first of all, this was not intentional grounding because he didn't pass it. He muffed the snap. Um, and, and even if he picked the ball up and then spiked it after that, now you got, you've got some grounds for a foul, but that's not, that's not what they ruled here. So, I, want, I would tell you that it's a do-over, but they've gained an advantage because of the clock. Uh, and I'd be, I'd be winding the clock. And now you're going to have to get this playoff. So if it's less than three seconds. Thank you, Bill, for sharing your wisdom on that play. I'm going to play it one more time where we'll go wide. And then I want to go to Tim for him to comment on it. Again, uh, like Bill's indicating here, this center judge is, is struggling to get out of the way before this ball is being snapped. In high school, you know, we could claim in, in our, in our five-man mechanics, or if you have seven-man, the umpire would be the one putting the ball down to, to mark it and trying to gain separation uh, before they're ready for play. 
And, uh, and so let's watch that, and then Tim, I want you to comment on it, okay? So here he is struggling to get out of the way. Now the quarterback does muff the backwards pass, and then he, by, by the uh, review, claimed that number one actually then tosses it down to the ground. That was the uh, takeaway from the review uh, from upstairs. They, they deemed it as the, the call stands, that it was an intentional grounding because of, although the, the, it was not a clean exchange from center to quarterback, that he, he muffed it, he muffed the backward pass, he picked up the ball, and then they deemed that the downward motion with the ball to the ground was considered a illegal forward pass. That's what's ruled, and that's what we're going to go with. So, Tim, what do, you, what do you have to say about it? All right, so let's try to equate this to the high school game. Obviously, we'll, we'll remove the center judge from the, the equation, and, and what Bill said is obviously true at the college game. Center judge isn't there, or even it was an umpire going the other direction. Fine, doesn't matter. The ball is snapped, it's muffed. Okay, now what happens? That's a live ball. So you have to ask yourself, you know, what happens with the whistle? If somebody kills that, if it's killed by the referee or umpire or wing, now that becomes an inadvertent whistle. And mm -hmm. it's that simple. And then you have to apply the inadvertent whistle rule. If you decide that it was muff and now you're going to let it play, same thing. If you take that second action and you deem that as, like Robert said, replay thought it was a forward pass. It looks like he just dropped the ball because he didn't know what to do with it. That's a, that's a fumble. So you've got a muff followed by a recovery followed by a fumble. If you've got a, inadvert, or you've got a whistle now, you've got a, another potential inadvertent whistle. And it has to be handled accordingly, according to our inadvertent whistle rule, because that's a live ball. Now, you could, we can make the argument that what are they trying to do here? They're trying to, to, to spike the ball to just, you know, they're not trying to gain an advantage. But there still has to be a clean center uh, quarterback snap exchange because it is a live ball. They still have to execute that portion of the game correctly. And we can't just give them the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes we can, we can in my opinion, sometimes we can kind of tweak it if the guy gets the ball and just has it for a second and then just pushes it down, yeah, I can maybe do that. In fact, we had a play like that on the best practices video this year where he kind of pushed it down and Bill and I talked about, well, we could probably get away with it. But on this one, he never has it. He never clearly has it. He muffs the ball. That's a live ball. And anything else that happens after that, in my opinion, that's an inadvertent whistle. I don't know what you think, Robert. What do you think? Yeah, if, on that first video, they didn't even have a whistle. The, the defense didn't hear a whistle. They were picking the ball up, and they were running it past the 50 uh, because there was no whistle. Uh, the announcers gave uh, the crew a little uh, leeway there because of electronic whistles, and they're slow to push the button because there, there was clearly no whistle. And again, on the replay uh, that the review team you saw, they claimed that the, although it was a muff exchange and it was not clean, that number one, the quarterback, did secure possession and did throw the ball to the ground. And that's why they, the call stood as it did. But going back to your original point, let's go to the rule here. We're going to 752 in Federation to discuss this and bring a lot of clarity to it. Spiking the ball to conserve time, we have a 752 E exception. And this is right out of the rule book where it states, the exception to allow a player to conserve time by intentionally throwing the ball forward to the ground immediately after receiving the snap has been expanded to include any player positioned directly behind the center. The exception now includes snaps that are not hand to hand. Now the key thing here to remember is it has to be clean and it has to be immediate. No muff, baby, no muff. So if we have a muff situation, this exception, exception is off the table. So if they do in fact 
uh, secure possession and throw it to the ground. That is intentional grounding. But to Tim's point, when he ended with, if we have a situation where he doesn't secure possession, that ball is live. Let's not be anxious to blow our whistle and save uh, the offense because now we're going to have to deal with an IW and we wouldn't want to do that. So with that being said, let's go to Mike, who's uh, monitoring the chat there in Connecticut. Do we have any viewers that have any comments or questions related to this play? Um, no, no question. Just that the exchange has to be clean if you're going to spike it. Um, I will add that I was on a study group last night with some collegiate officials, and the referee that is featured in this video was presenting this play. And um, the, the crew live agreed that he controlled the ball and threw it to the ground after muffing it. Thank so you, Mike. Just for, yeah. uh, Bill, did you want to make a comment? I, I don't know if you wanted to chime in one last thing. Yeah, I mean, my, I, I'm not going to debate whether it was or wasn't. I mean, you're going to have your own judgment on that one. But I do want to reinforce what Tim stressed earlier. If he gets that snap cleanly and immediately just pushes it to the ground, you give him the benefit of the doubt that he's, he's legally spiked the ball. Uh, he doesn't have to take that cocket with one hand and throw it to the ground. So he gets it cleanly in his hands and pushes it right to the ground. Leave it alone. It's a now an incomplete pass and legal. Great golden nugget. Thanks a lot, Bill, for sharing that. Thank you, Mike, uh, for bringing up your study group last night. And thank you, Tim, for sharing your, uh, your expertise on it as well. I'm going to go to my final play of the night, and that's uh, to the NFL. Now, many of you may have seen this on Monday night. It was towards the end of the game. It had a lot riding on this uh, series of plays. Uh, and, and what we're going to see here is the fourth quarter with 31 seconds left, and it's third and 10. So this is a big-time play for uh, the Cowboys, who are trailing at the time 20-17. Uh, to 17. And you can imagine. Hopefully everyone's seen it, but if you didn't, let's discuss this puppy because it surely is going to catch your attention. So we're talking about an offensive pass interference play that uh, had a significant impact on the outcome of this game, and uh, it's worth discussing. So here we go. We're going to go wide on it, Tim, and enjoy the play. Third and ten. Prescott going deep, and it's going to be caught. Michael Gallup beats Ramsey, but he flag is down. Okay, so there's the play, and we see a flag, and the OPI was, was uh, called. So we're going to go to the replay, and we're going to see it, and then we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, was there an advantage gain? Was this truly a foul uh, for offensive pass interference uh, where separation did, in fact, occur? So an advantage was gained on the offense. And then we'll go to the rule to, uh, to chat about that in the federation uh, scope of the matter. But uh, get ready. Watch the replay because I'm sure everyone's going to have a comment because uh, most people I talk to, one are 100% one way, and then another group is 100% another. So I'm curious to find out from the viewers what your thoughts are. So let's play the replay, and then we'll chat about it. Here we go. Offense. Pass interference. Offense, number 13. 10-yard penalty. Repeat, third down. So Gallup could not get away with it. Would have set him up at about the 15-yard line. In separation, Chris, and, and I think he's got his arm out there, but I just don't see him forcibly I agree. push him off. I... Ramsey with Gallup. Offensive interference is called. And that put the dagger into the Cowboys' hopes. 
All right, down in Alabama, let's go to Stan. Stan, down in Alabama, baby, what is your viewpoint on this particular play? <clears throat> Boy, this one is, um, I can tell you probably 90% of the time, this is not going to be flagged. Um, you know, from that, that other replay, when, when the receiver actually extends that arm out, then I say you, you, could, you could determine that that would be a separation. But he, he sort of went with him for several yards where they're just both arm, they're arm in arm. And we're not going to call anything on that probably. But I can tell you, Danny, the, 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 the mood down here in this state would be let them play. And that should have uh, probably would not have been flagged. Thank you, Stan, for sharing your comments. I want to go to Bill. Bill, obviously being on TV, they're going to pull you in as an expert to comment on a play like this. What are you going to say about it? Well, I'm going to comment that I can see why, I can see the, the, why he called it. You know, I can see that right arm out there. I can see it on the chest. Um, is it enough? There's no question his hand got there. Did it cause separation or continue to maintain separation, not allowing him to come in? And that official's judgment was that obviously it did, so the flag came down. Now, my my call on it was I'd pass on it. Um, I don't think it's enough. I don't have enough. I wouldn't say I don't think it's enough. I'd say I don't have enough uh, to make it a foul. But this is what this is the reason he called it. He felt this contact right here was continuing to maintain separation, not allowing the defender to get any closer. So, but um, jeepers, we've seen a lot bigger muggings than that in the NFL that uh, haven't been called either way, OPI or DPI. So, Thank you, Bill, for sharing your opinion and your viewpoint on the judgment call, because it is judgment. And I, will, I would like to go to Tim here. Uh, Tim, we often hear the words chicken fighting or, you know, no advantage, disadvantage gain. Is there a material effect on the play? What are your thoughts once you see, saw that uh, replay? Well, I would like, I don't know if you can, I want, if you can go to the end zone shot and, and freeze it right where the, um, the player, and we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully get to go wide on this when we get there, and freeze it right where both players are locked arm in arm. And let's see, you know, now you've got the, the, the two shot there. If we'll, you, can see, you can see it right now. You got the two shot there. Let's go back to the wide. So now get, let's get Tony Carrente off the screen because I think there was one more where yeah. Tony Carrente isn't, isn't on the screen. And they show it from this angle because this is, this is your key angle right here. This one you don't really see much. And, it, you know, it's, it's okay, what's going on? But the key angle is right. Let's, uh, well, we already got the separation. So maybe it's going to, I think it's going to happen one more time because uh, maybe we'll get one more view. All right, stop it right there. Stop it right there. Look at, the nice thing is, is you can see both arms, okay? So if you look at number 20s, he's got the blue sleeve. What is he doing with his arm? It looks like he is, his arm is on the inside. So his arm is locked in. Now, I don't think he's grabbing. So if you can go just a little bit more as, a, as you frame it, frame by frame, if we can, just a little bit more. He's not grabbing, but he is restricting. With his arm being in that location, you can see the blue. He is restricting the offensive player from taking his arm and going up with potentially two arms to catch this ball initially. And I think by the action, uh, the action of number 13, the receiver, is to free himself from that contact. 
So, you know, I've got, there's no advantage gained. And yeah, maybe there might've been a, a little bit of a push off, but Bill, I don't know if you saw that. Um, that's it, with that blue sleeve there, it makes it, it makes it easy to kind of see that and that he's got the inside, his arm is, is blocking him off. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm a proponent of saying let's, it's not enough. Uh, move on with life uh, type thing. But, but again, you know, you, you got to see what those arms are doing. You've got to see if there's an effect, an advantage, disadvantage by either player. So uh, I, I just wanted to jump out a little bit more. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Mike. Mike, did you um... – did you have any viewers' comments or uh, questions related to that play? Yeah, I did. I think overwhelmingly the uh, the people in the chat think that the there that this wasn't enough for a foul. But there is a question that um, maybe this case it isn't a foul, but can we have an offensive player holding his arm out to prevent the uh, player from closing space? Can that be considered impeding the progress and become a foul at a certain threshold? Yeah. Okay. So maintaining the spacing from the defender uh, so that he can he can have his comfort zone to receive a pass is that a foul by his the fact of just extending extending brings up your antenna right and now you have to make the uh, determination is that is he creating an advantage of separation or is he just touching and uh, with that being said let's go to Tim Tim how would you def uh, answer that question by the viewer well an armbar is one of our categories. Of, of it's defensive pass interference is an arm bar offensive pass interference we say push off but you can still kind of use if I am gaining an advantage by making you know making contact and holding off that defensive player with with an arm bar arm bar type motion then I am prevent you know legally preventing that defender from making a play on the ball my contact doesn't fall within legal contact that I'm allowed to do as an offensive player in my uh, situation. Now, I would like to see a foul like that or see the play first because I don't, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think this falls into it. I think both players were grabbing and both players had their arms extended so this wouldn't necessarily fall into a category like that. But if an offensive player clearly has that extension and is, is barring off a defender from making a play, I, I would think that would fall into the pass interference, offensive pass interference realm. Let's, let's go to, uh, Tim, let's go to the rule, uh, and then we're going to bring in Bill for a final summation on how he would, uh, in, you know, rule uh, relative to that viewer's question. In this particular rule book in a Federation, we have pass interference restrictions only apply beyond the neutral zone and only if the legal forward pass untouched by B is in or beyond or behind the neutral zone crosses the neutral zone. Okay, so we have a situation where it has to be a legal forward pass and the pass restrictions are beyond the neutral zone. So that's very important. Now, when do they begin? Pass interference restrictions on a legal forward pass in Federation begin for A at the, with a snap. That's very important to understand that. They don't have the liberty like the defensive players where uh, when the ball leaves the passer's hands is when those restrictions begin for the defender. But immediately on the snap is when they begin for the offensive receiver. So we have to be mindful of that. And like the viewers sharing here, Bill, we have a situation where, you know, restrictions are applying, even though the ball may not be left the passer's hands yet,
But uh, we have, as described by the viewer, where he's gaining or he's separating himself from the defend or from the uh, defender. And you're going to make a judgment then. Is that enough for a foul to be called? Bill, take it away. Yeah, if, if you hold off your defender or your offense, you know, the offensive player holds off the defender with that arm extension and can really hold him off where the guy can't close in anymore. Uh, and you're seeing it, he's being impeded. Uh, it's creating separation, you know. Uh, now, the th point I'm going to make on it, though, is when we're running at full speed, my ability to put my arm out and keep you away, I mean, you got a 200-pound body running into an arm. Uh, I, that arm's going to collapse. So I, I don't see that's going to happen too many times. Uh, so don't I, I wouldn't go overboard looking for this one. Uh, it's it's going to have to be you're going to he's going to have the arm out and then you're going to see a move that's going to accelerate the, the separation. But I can't see most of these guys being held off just because somebody stuck an arm out. And, and I like that visualization that you shared because that's exactly, as a back judge, you know, you see the speed and you feel the pressure of these receivers coming towards you with the defenders chasing. And uh, it's, it takes a lot of leverage to be able to extend an arm and keep separation. You know, typically you see clearly the separation whenever that foul is called. However, to the viewer's point, I have seen this once in my career, and that was a tight end, a big tight end who did a hook pattern about seven yards off the line of scrimmage and held ground, and the defender was coming close to him, and he extended his arm to prevent that defender to get near him so he can secure the ball. Now that, although the defender ran into his arm, he was making an advantage to separate himself, and that was a tight end who was uh, basically doing a curl route seven yards from the line of scrimmage. That's the one and only time where I see what the viewers bring up. With that said, thank you so much for joining me on those four videos. I'm going to shoot it back over to Tim so he can uh, bring us to the finish line. All right, so uh, apologize for any uh, – we're going to skip. We had the phone lines ready to go. We're going to skip that tonight because we obviously have some issues, but hopefully we'll be back next week. Alex will be back next week, but Alex really wasn't the issue tonight. We had some Internet issues not connecting to our normal stream, so that's why we have the YouTube stream. They'll be able to go over there as a backup, so hopefully everybody was able to pivot. And if you're watching this on the archive, you never knew anything happened. It's the, it's the, it's the beauty of technology. So, so now it's time for our MRB 10 line play of the week for this week. And for this is, you know, we love doing these. These are, these are great plays that we, you know, we, we talk about. So we'll, we'll, go, we'll go wide on this one and we're gonna play it. So here is the play. Pretty self-explanatory. It looks like a quarterback draw. Quarterback tucks and runs, and then the ball comes out. And we've got a little, a little bit of a run there. Hmm. What's going to happen? Everybody's kind of standing around. We'll play it one more time. Once again, quarterback is in shotgun. Grabs the ball. And then runs, and now the ball comes out. Potentially. All right, so here is the play of the week for this week. So is this, pretty simple, is this a fumble or the runner is down? Fumble, runner, runner or is down. And remember, you can uh, participate at Officially Speak or there's the email, tim at mibtmedia.com. You can uh, do that and that's how you get a hold of us and you do all that, that fun stuff. 
If you won some of the drawings from last week, don't worry, the stuff is getting in the mail. You'll get your drawing here in, uh, as soon as we can. So uh, that's, that's what we're going to do. So fumble or runner down, pretty straightforward. So I want to thank everybody who joined us and stuck with us here. Well, like I said, we're not going to do the call-in questions tonight, but we will be back next week, and hopefully we'll have the, the call-in line up and running. So first things first, let's, you know, I appreciate Robert. He, he got to drive the ship tonight. So I want to thank, I want to thank Robert. Robert, thank you for being here. Thank you, viewers, and for all your comments and questions. You're making me stronger as an official. So God bless you and enjoy the week. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate Appreciate everybody who, uh, you know, for Robert for doing that and taking the time. We'll, uh, we'll have to thank Stan. Stan, thank you for, uh, well, we don't, we already saw that. Uh, there you go. There's Stan. Stan, thank you for being here. Oh, uh, enjoyed it as always. And uh, I'm back in the saddle again Friday night. So looking forward to a good game. I have this defending 6A state championship team Ooh. coming to play. So. Oh, there you go. Well, I'm glad that uh, you're going to stay safe, as we say. Stay safe. Do all that. Mike Billica, Mike, thanks for being here and monitoring the chat. Appreciate it. Yep, the chat room was very happy with Robert's presentation. Thought he did a great job today. And uh, I'm reffing semi-pro these days. That's about the only thing that's out there and breaking up fights. And and uh, But, you know, it's good to be out there again. <laughs> Gotta love the semi-pro stuff, that's for sure. And last but not least, uh, Bill, uh, our, our Bill Amanye, and I know he's on the road this week. Oh, wait, no, you're just right where you're at, right? Yep, right here, uh, Louisville and uh, Miami at Louisville, and I get to do it from the comfort of Simley Park, Illinois. So, uh, but I don't miss those days. You know, I didn't call it semi-pro when I did it. We called it semi-amateur. <laughs> <laughs> but... Don't miss those days at all, but a great learning lesson for game control, game management, and things of that nature. Yep, it definitely, definitely does that. So, once again, apologize for the stream issues. We're going to get that all fixed, but luckily we have the YouTube backup. Hopefully you enjoyed it. You can email me any questions, comments. We'll be back next week doing this all over again. So, thanks for watching. I'm Tim Kiefer from MIBTonline.com. We'll catch you then. Thanks for listening to the MIBTonline.com podcast. Join today at MIBTonline.com. We'll catch you next time.